This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. You know, the let's go crazy suggestion by Prince is one that we'd like to avoid. But we had a great deal of fun on last week's program taking a look at um, two intertwined stories, the Donald Trump presidency and the COVID-19 pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic currently is exploding all across the country, as we predicted it must on this show. And yet, Here's a little report from ABC News about the current state of our leadership and the not-so-dynamic actions being taken at the top to combat it. As the world waits for that vaccine, President Trump is saying he believes the virus will, quote, sort of just disappear. Cecilia Vega at the White House for us this morning. And Cecilia, I don't know if you heard the FDA chief. He didn't exactly go along with those words from the president about the virus just disappearing. Yeah, exactly. TJ, uh, officials have had uh, trouble sort of having to explain that. But also the president, another headline out of COVID for for you from the president this morning. He is insisting that he is pro-mask, even though he has yet to be publicly seen wearing one. Even as new cases hit record highs, President Trump is once again predicting that at some point COVID-19 will simply disappear. I think we're going to be very good with the coronavirus. I think that at some point uh, that's going to sort of just disappear, I hope. This despite the fact that health officials warn the worst may be yet to come, while President Trump maintains he is not anti-mask. If I was in a crowd, a, you know, a crowd, a lot of people and everything else, I'd wear them. I have no problem with a mask at all. But then, just seconds later, he went on to bash his opponent, Joe Biden, for doing exactly that, wearing a mask. I see Biden walking up on a stage where there's nobody around, he's speaking and he has a mask on and you can't even understand what he's saying or he takes it off up there. When there's nobody around, I don't see any reason to be wearing it. Despite growing calls from his own allies to wear one, the president has yet to be photographed in a mask. I think I look better in the mask. Even though he says he likes the way he looks when he wears one. It was a dark black mask and I thought it looked okay. It looked like the Lone Ranger. horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hayo Silver, the Lone Ranger. Hayo Silver, Yes, let us pause just a moment to reflect on the fact that the president thinks he looks like the Lone Ranger. There was a, a tagline, usually associated with the end of that 1950s kids western, the Lone Ranger, where someone would generally ask at the end of the show, who was that masked man? Well, no one's going to say that about the president because he's yet to be photographed in one. As we stand before the microphone today, the word is that the president's going to hold a rally at Mount Rushmore over the 4th of July weekend. Supposedly, masks will be available if people wish to use them, but it has been stressed that social distancing will not be enforced. We have so much to talk about today, and this is a bit of a surprise. 
Ms. McMillan and I planned to take a break in doing this program as of last spring, but then all of this happened, and we sort of felt obliged to do our best to get some data out there because there's, well, there's so much bad data. Because we have so much misinformation and bad attitudes out there, we see a couple of things like the following two news items, which is that down in Alabama, they're holding coronavirus parties and they offer payouts to those who get infected. To quote from CNN, some young people in Alabama are throwing COVID-19 parties, a disturbing competition where people who have coronavirus attend and the first person to get infected receives a payout, said local officials. Tuscaloosa City Council member Sonia McKinstry told CNN, infected people are urged to attend so others can intentionally contract the virus. She said she heard about the trend from fire officials, saying, quote, we thought it was kind of rumors at first. We did some research. Not only do the doctor's offices confirm it, but the state confirmed they also had the same information. According to the fire chief, the first person confirmed by a doctor to have coronavirus after the exposure wins the money made off ticket sales. Over the past weeks, there have been several parties in the city and probably more that officials don't know about. Now, the word is across the country, this explosion of cases seems to be very heavily biased toward younger people. Because their risks are lower, they're taking a very cavalier attitude about social distancing, as you can see from various photographs available on the internet. We've predicted on this program that India will probably catch up and exceed the United States totals by the end of the year, and this item certainly indicates that may be possible. According to a report coming out of New Delhi, a groom in India died two days after his wedding, which took place in in eastern India, after he became affected with coronavirus, and 80 people linked to the ceremony subsequently also tested positive for COVID-19. And yes, as you might expect, the groom was sick before the wedding because it doesn't kill you in two days. He was sick, his condition was worsening, and yet they went ahead with the wedding. Mr. Millen, who has attended Indian weddings, notes that it is a tradition to greet everyone at the wedding personally, shaking hands, etc. I didn't attend that wedding, though. Well, thank goodness. Story gets even better. The family did take him to a local doctor where he was given medicine of unknown type. The doctor did not flag his symptoms to the district authorities, and he was not tested for coronavirus. The family did not tell anyone about his poor health. Which, if you think about it, is kind of like hoping the virus will just go away. Now, a lot of people out there are hoping pretty darned aggressively. The crackpot lieutenant governor of the state of Texas... Referencing Dr. Anthony Fauci's statements to Congress the day before, Dan Patrick said, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We haven't skipped over anything. The only thing I'm skipping over is listening to him. Patrick then erroneously asserted that Fauci has been wrong every time on every issue in the corona pandemic. Yes, Lieutenant Governor was just incensed at the fact that Fauci said he was concerned about states like Texas that skipped over certain things. And if you have the time, you may want to go online and do some fact-checking on this if you're so inclined. But the lieutenant governor is not correct. We have to offer the opinion on this program that he previously was not correct when he was a fierce advocate for reopening Texas's economy and did get ridiculed after suggesting the U.S. economy was, quote, more important, unquote, than living. Full quote is, 
There are more important things than living, and that's saving this country for my children and my grandchildren. Suffice it to say, this attitude is out there and needs to get modified. The governor in Texas is now urging residents to stay home. According to the USA Today Network, the governor began expressing alarm earlier this week about a troubling spike in his state. He was concerned that some Texans are not taking the threat seriously enough. But noted Amy Davidson Sorkin in a wonderful essay in The New Yorker, that there are now more than 5,000 new COVID cases a day in Texas. And last week, Governor Abbott announced a pause in that state's rapid reopening in an attempt to quote-unquote corral the virus. He ordered bars and restaurants to limit service. But noted Amy Sorkin, that effort is being hampered by an executive order that he issued in April, preventing local authorities from enforcing a mandate for individuals to use masks. Some hospitals in Texas, in the meantime, are now nearing ICU capacity. You know, this essay is so good, I think I'm going to read most of it. From the Talk of the Town, July 6th and 13th issue of The New Yorker. Since the coronavirus first took hold in this country, Donald Trump has heedlessly promoted the idea that it could be treated solely as a political or even a cultural problem. Part of the tragedy of the pandemic is that until now, many people in less affected areas of the United States believed him. In a speech last week to thousands of mostly maskless young supporters at a megachurch in Phoenix, Trump claimed the Democrats are, quote, trying to do their best to keep the country shut down, unquote. Not to fight COVID-19, but to sabotage the economy and thus his electoral prospects. I have to pause right there to note that in, in talking about all of what's been going on to a lot of people all over the country, I have been shocked by the number of otherwise really bright folks that are subscribing to that viewpoint. Trump also said they're trying to, quote unquote, rig the election by means of, quote, the China virus, unquote. Yes, they're trying to rig the election. I just want to say that one again. They're trying to rig the election by means of the China virus. He called the disease other names, including the more blatantly racist Kung Flu, and professed to find its real name odd. I said, what's the 19? Amy Sorkin notes the virus was identified in 2019, but the notion that there were 18 previous COVIDs figures in certain conspiracy theories. Most fantastically, Trump spoke of the pandemic as if it were a thing of the past, even as the number of new cases rose last week to horrific levels, particularly in Texas, Florida, California, and Arizona. We'd like to remind you, dear listener, that we had a report from Texas, Florida, California, and Arizona, which we aired a few weeks back. If you missed it, you may want to go back to our archives at radioparallax.com and listen to that firsthand report. Amy Sorkin. At a congressional hearing... Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health said the trends this summer will produce, quote, a baseline for determining how severe a second wave may be in the fall and winter and whether the country can rely on containment measures or will have to resort to another round of widespread closures of businesses and schools. The shifting of the epicenter of the pandemic from northeastern, midwestern, and urban areas largely governed by Democrats 
to states in the South and the West, many of them red or purple, along with blue California, is a reminder of a point that Dr. Ashish Jaha, a Harvard medical health expert, has been making since March. The coronavirus doesn't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Now, it's true, there, do, there does seem to be a pause in the number of deaths at the moment. Amy Sorkin noted that the rising numbers of cases, coupled with the listlessness of the administration, suggests that a respite may be brief and that we are squandering whatever advantage was gained by the ebb in the state's first affected. She admits that officials in New York did make some big mistakes early on, but adds that the political geography of the pandemic's early course in places like New York and New Jersey seem to have lured some Republican politicians into complacency, as if a MAGA cap could be a protective talisman, or as if when it comes to COVID-19, bad things could happen only to subway-riding city dwellers. Some even acted as if the virus depredations could be tolerated as long as they fell most heavily on low-income, elderly, or marginalized people. I gotta say, as a baby boomer, which is acknowledged to be in the high-risk groups, I was a little disturbed at first when they kept saying, oh, this is only going to kill off old people. Mr. Millen points out the term being used was boomer remover. Gotta tell you, as a boomer, that attitude to me uh, really kind of brings home the experience of gay people during the AIDS epidemic. You know, heavily denied in a lot of circles. The truth of the matter is that when AIDS came along in the 1980s and seemed to be selecting out IV drug abusers, Haitians, and gay people, and by that I mean a lot of conservatives with political power, thought, it's not so bad. Meanwhile, down in Florida, a state which we predicted would explode, the governor, Ron DeSantis, is trying to downplay the state's staggering number of new cases nearly 9,000 in a single day last week, by pointing to infections among overwhelmingly Hispanic workers and day laborers. Community leaders in Florida reacted to his remarks with anger, particularly since the governor had not answered calls for protection for agricultural workers. DeSantis had until recently persisted in arguing that the high numbers are a statistical illusion produced by more testing. And of course, Donald Trump is still making that claim. Anyway, we're having kind of a heat wave in Northern California at the moment. Uh, I know that most of our listeners, I I dare say, are are probably located in Northern California. It's been bloody hot, which may have prompted a meme to be sent around, which says, the reason our country is having so many heat waves is because we have so many more thermometers. More than any other country. If we stopped looking at thermometers, we'd have very few days over 80 degrees, if any. And in case the reference we're making isn't clear, that is the president's attitude about testing. If we didn't do any testing, we wouldn't have all these confirmed cases. Cases we hasten to add, he hopes, will, will go away. Probably not going to go away anytime soon down in the Lone Star State where adults are being admitted to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston to provide space for COVID patients in other facilities. That noted Amy Sorkin, is an ominous echo of the early situation in New York City, where at the peak, 800 deaths were attributed to COVID in a single day. One of the lessons that emerged from that crucible is that people who might be saved die when hospitals are too crowded. Another lesson, wearing masks in public works. There are similar indications that ICUs are at risk of reaching capacity in Arizona and Alabama and soon may be in Florida and the Carolinas. 
At this point in time, we, we need, some, we need some, some good news. And here's a spot of good news, although it, it really is only a spot. The headline is, First Treatment to Reduce COVID-19 Deaths. Now, you've no doubt heard that one of the reasons COVID-19 is so deadly is that it produces what's called a cytokine storm, where the immune system goes into overdrive as it tries to fight the virus and begins attacking the body. Well, it turns out that a medicine that's been around, a steroid called dexamethasone, readily available, cheap, does help with the cytokine storm. But we shouldn't make too much of this good news. So far, it's been shown to reduce deaths among those on ventilators by one-third and among those on oxygen by one-fifth. Now, I don't want to I, I, I deny this is good news, but considering how poorly people are doing when they're on oxygen or worse, on ventilators, this is not really a game-changer. When you do the math on this, and they have, it turns out that dexamethasone might be expected to save the life of one in eight patients on a ventilator and one in 20 to 25 on oxygen. And there may be, and I emphasize may, be some good news on the vaccine front. There are some headlines out there about new uses for old vaccines. And scientific trials are underway to see if existing vaccines for tuberculosis and polio can offer some protection against the coronavirus. Noted the Washington Post, vaccines work by teaching the body's immune system to develop a memory of specific pathogens, but they have also been shown to activate other parts of the immune system to fight off unrelated infections, including respiratory diseases. Scientists now want to know if the TB or polio shot could potentially bolster our immune system and lessen the severity of the disease. The research has been spurred on in part by data from Pakistan, Bangladesh, and some other countries where the population is widely vaccinated against TB and where the coronavirus death rate is noticeably low. Said Azra Reza from Columbia University's Medical Center, it's not like they're not getting the infection, they're just not dying. Trials in the TB vaccine known as BCG are going on in the U.S., Netherlands, and Australia. Now, we should note that if you are an American citizen, and most of you are, you almost certainly have never received a BCG vaccination. Here in America, when we got our tuberculosis rates down, it was decided that more harm was done by giving BCG than by withholding it. And that is because if you've been exposed to tuberculosis, they can do a skin test on you and find out whether you have converted. In other words, hey, you're responding to a recent exposure. In my many years in primary medicine, I, I noted often a patient would come in for a job screening, would test positive for a TB test, skin test, would test positive on a TB skin test, which could indicate a recent exposure, which would be bad, which would be very, which would negatively impact their employment. But it turned out what usually happened was the patient was from Romania or Mexico or some other country that used BCG to try and reduced the effects of TB on their populations, which were not as well controlled as the U.S. Researchers are also trying to raise some funds right now to test the oral polio vaccine against COVID-19. This raises a few medical issues. A lot of you listening probably received the oral polio vaccine, the one developed by Dr. Albert Sabin. Whether that's still, you know, many decades later still gives you protection against coronavirus is a question we don't have an answer to. And I'm really curious about the fact that because the oral vaccine uses 
quote-unquote killed virus, sometimes the virus would back mutate and thereby give a person polio who was, you know, being immunized against that disease. This is a very rare thing, maybe like one in a million, and yet it does happen. This led doctors here in the United States to switch from oral polio vaccines developed by Albert Sabin to the original injectable version of Jonas Salk, which reportedly may not be as valuable to prevent coronavirus. Anyway, I'm glad they're doing this research. Stay tuned. Unfortunately, of course, we, we have more bad news than good. If you were planning to travel to Europe this summer, it looks like you're out of luck. The European Union has taken a look around and seen the basically good job that most of the European countries have done in flattening their curves. And if this wasn't radio right now, I'd be showing you the, uh, the meme that's been sent around saying, in case you're wondering what utter abject failure looks like, and there's four different graphs, France, Italy, Spain, all showing basically a sloping bell curve that goes up and it comes back down again, as opposed to the USA, which shows a curve that goes up and up and up. The EU took a look at this and said, well, I don't think we're ready to let people from America come back and recontaminate us. They might possibly also be a little bit irked about the fact that Donald Trump <laughs> put a travel ban on people coming from Europe to America, which has not been rescinded. And since we're talking about Europe, I cannot resist injecting this particular meme that was sent out a few days back, which noted that John Bolton's new book reveals that Trump thought Finland was under Russian control. To which the Finnish Prime Minister Sanna Marin said, To be fair, we've thought the same thing about the United States since January 20th, 2017. Anyway, the fact of the matter is that we're not testing in America like we should. And it, it has been slowed down. We're very definitely not also contact tracing like we need to. Writing for the BayAreaNewsGroup.com, John Wolfuck notes that while health officials report some success in beefing up the ranks of contact sleuths, there are indications that many infected people and those they may have exposed are falling through the cracks. That has alarmed some doctors in the Bay Area's two most populous counties, Santa Clara and Alameda, who cite recent examples of infected or exposed patients who were never interviewed about their contacts or notified of their potential exposure. They quoted Dr. Rajiv Bhatia as saying, it's clear contact tracing is not getting to people. We remind you that to combat an epidemic, you have to test, you have to contact trace, and you have to isolate appropriately. When you don't do that, then you don't get curves like Spain, France, and Italy. You get curves like the one we have here in America. Of course, it's not just America. Over in the UK, New Scientist reports that uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson said last month England would have a world-beating contact tracing system in June. They were looking apparently for a high-tech solution to this. And uh, since it's not going very well, the government is now pivoting instead to building a new app, relying on software that will be baked into Google and Apple's mobile operating systems. That was announced on the 18th of June, which is being pursued by many other countries. But notes New Scientist, the app is unlikely to launch until winter. Winter. Winter starts on December 21st. But hey, maybe that app will be of some use in the second wave. That's pretty crazy. 
And speaking of crazy, for quite some time now, a lot of people have been questioning Trump's mental capacity. His first Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, called him an effing moron. Second Secretary of State, General Mattis, said that he didn't think he had the intellectual capacity to hold the office. And, of course, various psychiatrists and health authorities who deal with mental status issues have taken a look at the deterioration of the president's speech and his increasingly bizarre behavior and raised some red flags. On this program, we've not focused in on a lot of this because the truth is it's very easy for that sort of stuff to be politically motivated. Back in 1964, Barry Goldwater was accused of being mentally unbalanced and he sued and won, which set up a standard afterwards where Psychiatrists were supposed to keep their mouths shut unless they personally examined the patient. And I think most people support that Goldwater rule, except that at this point in time, a lot of people are saying, you know, we, we have to speak out here. So I think we need to look back in time and, and, and reevaluate some of the things we were not focusing on as perhaps as much as we should have. When the president said last year that what we probably need to do to stop hurricanes coming to America was to drop a nuclear bomb inside of them. A lot of people laughed and said, well, that's, that's pretty goofy. But the goofiness has not stopped. As anyone who recalls the president suggesting that putting disinfectant inside your lungs might be a good way to combat the virus. So I think as we end out this segment, we're going to go borrow from some people that have taken a, a closer look at this than we have, starting with the Young Turks. The premise of this piece is, isn't he ignorant? Isn't he stupid? But you know, when you focus in on statements that are really wacky, one possibility is his ignorance, another possibility is it's dementia. Mr. Marilla, see if you can't run uh, part of this clip from last fall in the Young Turks. We've ended the war on beautiful, clean coal, and it's just been announced that a second brand new coal mine where they're going to take out clean coal, meaning they're taking out coal, they're going to clean it, is opening. Look, it's, these are impossible to decide. In fact, we've got a poll coming up at tyt.com slash dumb, where we're going to ask you which one of these is dumbest. So keep all these in mind. Take out the coal and you clean it, and that's what clean coal is. Uh, take it over the airport in 76. You think it can't get worse? Hold. F-35s, fighter jets. They're stealth. You can't see them. I said, how good are these? They said, well, sir, the problem is you can't see them when you fight them. I said, that sounds like it's a big advantage. I said, how does it do it in fights? And how do they do in fights with the F-35? I said, we do very well. You can't see it. You literally, you can't see it. They said, well, sir, you can't see it. I said, yeah, but in a fight, you know, a fight like I watch on the movies, a fight, they're fighting. How good is it? They say, well, it wins every time because the enemy cannot see it. Even if it's right next to it, it can't see. One of the guys in the back nearly burst out laughing. Uh, it's a stealth fighter because radar can't pick it up. You can see it. It is not an invisible plane. No, no, plane. no, no. If you're, if you're next to it, you literally cannot see it. You know, I'm sorry you're missing the visual on Chank Uyghur when he was describing <laughs> taking the coal out of the ground and cleaning it. He was sort of pantomiming the use of a, of a washcloth. As far as invisible airplanes go, they are invisible or hard to see, almost invisible on radar. But the president apparently thinks it can be right next to you and you, you won't see it. It's, 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 it's actually invisible to the eye. 
can also recommend the visual on this one for the, the guys in the background when Trump makes that statement, the, uh, the Air Force guys. When he, when he says that, the look on their faces is, is priceless. And since we're taking a look back at, at wacky statements, how about this one? If you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. Your house just went down 75% in value. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? You know, the thing makes it so... So he thinks that windmills cause cancer. Um, To be more specific, Anna, the noise from the windmill causes cancer. Everybody knows that. Thing is, if you take these one by one, day after day, on any given day, you can always make an excuse and say, well, he misspoke. Or, yeah, he was tired. I mean, I'd hate to tell you, you know, some of the things that I've said in the microphone that Mr. McMillan has been able to correct. So believe you me, we get the fact that the words can come out wrong. Of course, the difference is if we said something in this program like the noise of windmills causes cancer and it was brought to our attention, we would then later say, no, that's not what we meant. And, you know, we're not done with this. Rachel Maddow went off on a tear on this subject last August that we will air in our following segment because it's just too damn good. Now, you know, we got to say we're talking about a guy here who retweeted a video showing people in a golf cart at the Village's retirement community in Florida shouting white power. Well, this was followed by a bunch of anti-Trump profanity that I guess the president felt he needed to get out there. But you have to feel for people that are trying to cover up for all of these gaffes. White House staffers said apparently the president did not hear that remark, white power. But the fact of the matter is, it comes in seven seconds into the clip. So frankly, it's just not likely that he didn't hear it. And it is also possible that someone exercising the very bad judgment of retweeting a clip containing white power might be suffering from a bit of dementia. This is Radio Parallax. Let's take a short break.